Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Raising the Vibration right here on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. Please join us at LiveParanormal.com and all of our wonderful affiliates, iHeartRadio.com. Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Player FM, Blog Talk Radio, and the list goes on and on and on. Someday, I will memorize those all. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a 27-year talk radio host here in L.A. I'm also a spiritual practitioner. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a performing artist. And this is Raising the Vibration, the radio show. This show is an outreach, was the first outreach of a nonprofit movement of peace, and love and kindness and unity that I founded in 2016 to kind of carry on my mom's teachings after her passing. It's really about inspiration. It's about love. It's about ascension. It's about what are you doing to raise your vibration and then raise the vibration of the everything. It's about passion and service and creativity. And in essence, what are you doing to make the world a better place, right? Because everything that we do all of our gifts that we get, uh, our skill set that we bring to this planet with us or we develop while we're here is given to us as a gift, right? That's why we call it gifts in order to share those things with the world and make the world a better place and maybe send the elevator down, bring up 100 people and inspire others to do the same. So uh, my guest today is returning to the show. She's a wonderful storyteller and a creator of a fantastic storyteller night here in Los Angeles. And it's wonderful to have her here. Um, I don't know if she's by herself or with her husband. It's a mystery. We're going to figure it out. That's what we do here on Raising the Vibration. But please welcome to the show for sure, the wonderful Mariana Williams is here. How are you, my friend? It's good to hear your voice again. Hi there. It's Mariana speaking to you, Sheena, here from Long Beach. Actually, the show is not in Los Angeles. It's in Long Beach, California, for the last 11 years. Oh, isn't that interesting? And you differentiate. So for me, working with an international audience as I have for so long, I think when people think of Long Beach, they think of it being like the Los Angeles metro area, and that's sort of a name they know. Okay. But I understand for Long Beach people and for Orange County, County, where I grew up, there's a big difference, right? So people, so you are correct. You are absolutely right. It's uh, it's well, Long you, Beach, you reached out to the entire universe, so I had to be a little more specific since you're speaking <laughs> intergalactically. Well, you know, yes, and I think people need to know kind of where they are. And um, I think to many people, Los Angeles represents the Southern California represents freedom and creative freedom and the, a place where you can come and be whoever you want to be. I remember my mom telling me once when she was very young and she was very, very stifled, she said, I shouldn't have listened to my parents. I just should have gotten on a plane and gone to Los Angeles. And so I think it has that sort of reputation, and right, Southern California did, for. Right? And eventually, eventually she, she did. did. She yes. got here. Yeah. Right. Took her till she was 47, but she got here. And it was where she stayed. <laughs> so I think that that freedom of expression is sort of identified with where we are. And I think that's really a beautiful thing, whether it's 
Long Beach or the San Fernando Valley or Riverside County or sure. Orange County. Um, we we live with the we live between the ocean, the mountains, and the desert, right? So we're in this kind of energetically magic sweet spot, which really inspires creativity. Yes, and I bet you bring that sweet spot with you wherever you go because you're bubbling with positivity, Sheena. Thank you. Well, what's the alternative, right? You kind of got to be. It's either that or, uh, or, or, or it's not great, right? So I always try to bring the positive and think of the most positive thing. And, and, and like what you do, I'm sure you feel this way. I feel very honored and blessed to have the life that I have and be where I am and be able to enable people to tell their stories. And that's what you do, right? Right, right. Because, um, I started at the Moth, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about the Moth, which sure. was pretty mm-hmm. much is the gold standard of storytelling on NPR radio. So I won the Moth on a story slam in Venice, and it was my first time up there, but I had a pretty good story. And then from then on, I was kind of hooked on storytelling. Prior to that, I'd written uh, three novels, and I really liked the short form. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it was sure. just going to be a postcard, right? You write a novel, well, you tell I, a six-minute story, and after that, what's it going to be, a postcard? I don't know. Right. <laughs> Greeting cards. I think that yeah. um, people don't understand sometimes that storytelling is its own animal, right? It's not acting. It is. It's not, it's not stand-up. Right. It's, it's not, not stand-up. It's not poetry. Yeah. No. It's, it it's is its own animal. and something completely different. Right. Well, there's storytelling festivals uh, in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Uh, It's been going on for many years, and that's like a three-day festival in Utah um, outside of Salt Lake. It's Timpanoga Storytelling Festival, and that's three days. And people come and tell stories, um, not necessarily like my brand of storytelling. They're telling uh, tall tales. They might tell fables. They might tell ethnic stories about uh, sure. They tell stories that aren't true, mostly. It's storytelling. Children's stories, scary stories, all different kinds of stories. But the kind of stories that I'm drawn to are true tales that happen to you. And in a short time frame, it's pretty much an anecdote. It's an anecdote right. where, where this is how I break it down to people because I've taught storytelling workshops. I just say, give the setting tell the conflict or weirdness, tell everything that could go wrong and did go wrong, and you tell how it was resolved or the solution and then the resolution. And this little format really can help people in their daily life because we all know people who go on and on and on, and they're in on and on anonymous, and they never come to the end of a sentence, and they need help on just wrapping up whatever they want to say in five minutes. And, you know, if you're at the chip and dip at a party or you meet them in a club or it's your in-laws that you're going to meet for the first time, you want to be able to be succinct in telling an interesting story, a sentimental story, a a funny one or a sad one, but you want to be able to get in and out in five minutes. And that's what my goal is (laughs) to, to let, that's what I'm trying to give to the universe. Let's all get on with it. Yeah, and I learned that story radio, in five right? at, a, at, a, at a young age, oh, I yeah. was a, a program director 
who called it a rabbit chase. He's like, when a story goes on more than five minutes, you're on a rabbit chase. And you need to, uh, and it happens, right? And at that time, I was partnering with somebody on the air uh, who had this tendency to tell these elaborate stories and then, oh, no, no, wait, now going back and, like, tells back stories and it just, you never quite knew what was happening. Yeah. It was like the matrix that we, and I learned yeah. from him telling her how to not rabbit chase that I needed to sort of shore up my stories as well and make sure that I got in and out. So when I tell a story on the air, like I am right now, I imagine people listening and I think, are they, are they starting to get bored? And if I'm starting to bore myself, I know it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> and I think you have to think of that, right? Like the, well, it's yeah, not also, just about you talking, it's it about also, who's listening. Yeah. And when we're with our friends, we're going down a road and it's, or I'll just say the metaphor of a river, and then we kind of veer off to a tributary. We might say, oh, and then I was wearing this when it happened or whatever. But when you're in front of an audience or, it's, or it matters or you have a story, you're really trying to make a point, you don't go off on the tributary. You don't go, was it Wednesday or was it Thursday? Wait a minute, I go to the dentist on Wednesday. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Right. Forget all the details. Yes. Forget the details. Forget the abbreviations you know, march through. There really is art form, as you say. There absolutely is. And there's, a, there's an energy to it, right? You're energetically swooping people up and taking them on a very short journey with you. It's almost like a ride at Disneyland, right? You, you get we in, hope. It, it starts to go, it tells you the story, it spins you around, and then it delivers you back with you still wanting more. And I think it should be like oh, that as well. Hopeful. Yes, that's what we hope yeah. for. And at Long Beach Searches for the Greatest Storytellers, thank you for inviting me on to talk about it. We let the audience vote for the top two oh, wow. true tale of the night. Uh, the winner gets a hundred bucks every single show, and um, and that's and the, and the, but we have three judges who are authors, local authors, because sometimes people bring come in with ten people because they want to, you know slant the vote of course but we just yes. have the authors their vote counts for five points each and the authors have nothing to do with anything they just pick the story they like the best so it's always a surprise who wins and it's we've been doing this for 11 years here in Long Beach and um wow and this uh, Monday the 11th July 11th is our last show of the summer and then we'll pick it up again in January that's where we do our season because it's a Monday night and Monday Night Football, I mean, that's, you know, holy to a certain crowd of people. Right, then you're, Monday then Night you're Football. dead. So you do it like a, an actual season that's like six months out of the year. Yeah. It's the first that's, that's Monday wonderful. of the month, January to August. But we're not doing it in August this time because da-da-da-da-da. So, Mariana, your, your novels were fictional, right? Fictional novels? Right. I wrote a chick-lit series. Uh, Veronica Bennett is my protagonist. And the stories, uh, they're kind of easy to remember in a way, I suppose. It's um, Happy New Year, Darling. The next one is Stars and Stripes, Fourth of July. And the third one is, um, the Val well, actually the middle one's the Valentine's Day. So we've got New Year's, Valentine's Day, and Fourth of July. The story's so about... writing novels where you were... Mm -hmm. I was just going to say it's... a the protagonist is an entertainer and she, you know, they're romantic comedies with accidental crime. 
And it's Mariana Williams, an Amazon author, and so you can look at them if you want to see one over there. <laughs> Go to Beautiful. Amazon, Mariana Williams. There they are, my author page. So having spent a great deal of time immersing yourself in her life and in the lives of these fictional characters that you created, now you're listening to the moth, right? What, what appealed to you about storytelling? Well, the subject was music. If you go to the Moth Storytelling Nights, they have a topic. And I was a professional piano player and a singer for most of my life, my adult life. Then I went into booking. But um, my character had all these crazy experiences, mine, you know, as a, as a piano player, singer, and talent booker. So I just thought they were so unusual, so I just gave them to uh, uh, – I gave them to Veronica Bennett and 90% of all of these things are true. They just all happen at, you know, different times, but they're all, I, you can't make up the stuff. You couldn't, I couldn't make it up. <laughs> That's fantastic. I know you have um, a, you have a, a connection with music too. I, I was playing piano in sure. uh, Hilton's Weston uh, Bonaventure and places like that. So back to your question about what made me, in the storytelling night at the moss, see, I went off on a tributary of my, of my okay, life. You're allowed river. to here. You have an hour. <laughs> I went off. Okay. So uh, the subject was music and quite briefly, I was playing at the Bonaventure hotel, the top of five, a really fantastic gig. I met a guy who was a lawyer. I was single it was all looking really good, and then, uh, you know, things happened, and then I ran into him, well, in my moth story, and when I tell the story, I ran into him a year later, but it was, no, let me see, the time span for when I ran into him again was not even two years later, about a year and a half later. And I was playing in kind of a down and it wasn't a down and out, but it was anyway, I was playing at a steakhouse in Los Angeles. It wasn't the Bonaventure at the top of five of the 44th, 41st floor. I was just playing at a steakhouse because I had just had a baby. I married a musician. I had my baby boy and it was my first time to do a gig again. It was a happy hour. I went outside, and the lawyer that I had been going out with a year and a half before that walked by, and now he's a homeless guy carrying a sign saying he's Jesus, and that's a true story. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And wow. Did he recognize you, or was minutes. he completely? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Was... He recognized me, and I recognized him. And he said, and he walks by and he said, you know, first I'm standing outside in front of the gig going, well, you know, I'm too tight in my clothes. You, you know, I'm happy I'm married and I have a baby. But, boy, this, this ain't a Bonaventure. <laughs> you know, I'm playing at a steakhouse and I'm standing out in front of the sidewalk of the steakhouse. And this guy starts walking towards me wearing these white kind of robes and he's smoking a cigarette and he's tattered and he's got his sign that says I died for your sins Jesus saves and I go yeah now I got to deal with this I'm talking to myself and he gets closer <laughs> and closer 
And then he, yeah, and then he gets closer and then he says, Mariana. And I said, David? He goes, Mariana? He goes, David? And then he says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I, I, I work here. I'm on my break. I work there. And he says, what happened to you? You used to play at the Bonaventure. <laughs> and then oh I said, <laughs> and I go, well, what happened to you? You're one of these guys who thinks he's Jesus. You're carrying a stick. And he says, well, and he, he looks really troubled. And then he goes, well, I'm the real Jesus. And then I said, oh, and the real Jesus smokes. And then he throws his cigarette butt on the ground and steps on it and goes, I'm trying to quit. Oh that's, my a, God, that's, that's the story. Fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. Wow. <laughs> now, did you, did you rehearse? Because some people who do storytelling, yeah. right? They spend great deals of time prepping their story. I mean, people. I think people think oh, yeah. you just walk in off the street and stand up and do it. But stand up feels like no, that I too, rehearsed. right? And it's also very rehearsed. It's so you not did. Memorized. You prepped it. And you rehearsed it. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah, because they tell you ahead of time the subject's going to be music, and I I have a lot of stories about music, but I had that one, and I actually, if you want to see it, I have I recorded it on a fifth. I have fifteen minutes. I'm telling the story. I'm playing piano and singing. On a, I did a one-person show, and um, and so I'm playing piano and singing, and then I'm, well, you know what? Guess what? I'm going to be doing that story in its full length uh, in a storytelling show on July 30th. Sheena, you come, and you bring you know, okay. 10 or 20 of your favorite friends. <laughs> but I'm going to okay. tell that story, and they have a piano. They have a piano on the stage, so I, I'm going to play piano like I'm doing cocktail piano, and then he comes in. And then I'll tell about our relationship up to that point. There's more things that happen, wow. of course, in between. Wow. Well, he had a nervous a, breakdown. Sheena, Sheena had a nervous breakdown. He had a nervous breakdown. When I met him, he was unstable. But he was darling. Right. And, um, yeah. and we hung out for a while. Well, at least he became Jesus and not Satan or Hitler. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> At least, at You're least right. he decided right. he was somebody who brought good to the world, and not, you know, yes. uh, some kind of malevolent. Yes. You know so, what? Because um, when you're nuts, it could have gone just as easily in another direction. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I was fascinated for a long time with. Um, I don't know if you ever lived in Los Angeles proper, but um, we had West Hollywood Jesus for a long time. And I didn't I, I know him, him, but I used to live in Silver Lake. I lived in Silver Lake. so. And when you saw him, it was supposed to be a sign of good luck. And once I saw him on Christmas Eve, so I figured it was extra good luck. But he was also in a bathrobe, and he, um, he would wander around, and he usually had like a, some kind of a designer shopping bag. And the night I saw him, he had, a, um, he had a Tiffany bag. Once I saw him and he had like a, a Louis Vuitton bag, just like a, not like a bag, but a shopping bag, you know, a paper shopping bag. Yeah. And he just wandered right. around, but he actually stopped and talked to people. And people have told me that in some ways he would change their lives because he just was a very nice person that was willing to listen. And then he died kind of tragically very young, but um, well, <laughs> much like Jesus. But um, it's interesting how somebody will decide much to like sort of Jesus. step into a persona. Right. And, and decide that they're just somebody, and that's just 
that's how they're dealing with their breakdown or whatever's going on inside of them. I think that's kind of fascinating. Well, another legendary person for years was the greeter in Laguna Beach. Okay, when you entered Laguna Beach on PCH, when you were heading south from Newport, for example, there was an old right. guy in the 70s, 80s, or you know, and he wore a swimsuit and he was all tan and thin, and he had a beard and you know, I remember him kind of, but then there was a statue erected to him too, I think, and he would wave and he was the greeter and he was a positive crackpot, I guess you could say, and but a positive yeah. guy. Yeah, well, why not? You know, I think we all need to let each other be who we are. So, I mean, at least it wasn't <laughs> a situation where he came and he was violent with you or I think it's actually kind of a sweet story. It's a very strange story, but I think it's also kind of a sweet well, story and I would imagine audiences love it. Well, the thing that's ironic about it is, is that when we were, you know, ha- when we were infatuated with each other, we, I said, you know, I was the chanteuse, the promising singer, you know, on my way up. And then he was going to be my entertainment attorney. He had an office. He had an office in the Arco building, his own office. And I wow. went there, yeah. his, law, his legal office. So that's, I talk about that, you know. So anyway, yeah. So we, we yeah. were very disappointed in what the other had become, especially in less than two years. <laughs> wow, yeah. But I was yeah, happy I mean, about I can, where I, I was in my life. Becoming homeless and delusional, but playing at a steakhouse, there's really no excuse for that. That's... <laughs> I mean, I think that's the best part of the story, right? That he thought that was a great fall. That he was standing in front of you homeless, kind of giving you a hard time for not playing the Bonaventure anymore. That's the best. Yeah. Well, and I think if you've worked in the music business as a musician or as a promoter, I mean, we've both done both, right? That's pretty much enough stories for a lifetime. I mean, I know... I reuse stories on the radio over and over again, and a lot of them are just about crazy things that happen to me uh, living in and around musicians. Yes, yes. Road Tales. What instrument do you play? I don't really play anything anymore. As a kid, I played guitar and piano, a little bit of drums and some clarinet, Uh and then I, I fell in love with acting in high school. And I stopped everything and became an actor full time. And I, I wish I had never done that because I miss it now. I keep saying I still have my instruments. I keep saying I'm going to start up again at some point. Maybe at this time in my life is a good time I actually will. Um, but I started promote. So I so I sang in musicals and then I started promoting um, when I was 23, and that was pretty much my living for 25 years. And then I um, yeah. got so busy with radio full time that I didn't have as much time to do it. But then for years, I promoted comedy shows. I used to broadcast my radio shows from the Hollywood Improv. And I did Nights at the Laugh Factory when I was on the Howard Stern station. So it seems like right up until COVID, uh, I produced the Vagina Monologues for Charity for 10 years and directed it and was in it. So I, I, there was always something going on. I was living from live event to live event. And you know what that's like, right? It's like the... The next uh, live event favorite. kind of drives your life. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. I love live entertainment. And um, I, I uh, just to say about me is 
because uh, you mentioned the improv. I was the one in the 1990, like 1988, 89, 90. No, let me see. It was, yeah, well, anyway, close to 90. I was doing the one-night comedy shows in the hotels. So I had, mm. if you were, it says Sheridan, you know, Sheridan, I had three shows in Hilton's. Uh, anyway, I did five live shows a week, open, middle, and headliner. And so I was booking comedy, and I loved that, too. And that's when I found out I wasn't funny because I was emceeing the shows. <laughs> and it turned out I'd better just be informative and cute. You know, that's the best I could do because I was not <laughs> funny enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but creating the show, right, that is its own kind oh, yeah. of oh, creativity. Yeah. I produced Knowing the shows. Yeah, I made the flyers. And... I picked the acts. Yeah, I picked the acts. I produced the shows. And um, – you know, I picked the right kind of acts because it was people staying in the hotel hotel guests, and you couldn't really say nice tie asshole. You know, you had to really uh, have be good right. manners and stuff like that, and funny and you right. Know, so, I, I, I what I really point. liked I think... about it. Well, I was going to say what I liked about it, um, Sheena, is that I was book. You know, you know back then, or you know even now how black guys can really handle a room. You know, they've got the energy, they've got the voice. And I was booking a lot of black headliners in Orange County and Dana Point and like that. And these people, the yacht crowd had never spent 45 minutes with a black guy in his twenties and they loved it. Yeah. They loved it. Yeah. They had no idea what viewpoint these guys had. And I had black guys headlining most of the time. Because cause they, could, they could kill, you know. They were strong. And, uh, and it was just fun for me to uh, see the yacht crowd uh, enjoy these guys and come up and shake hands with them. And, and uh, never knew a, a young man's viewpoint, and let alone laugh so much. So that, was, that made me happy. I think that's wonderful. And that's one thing that I think I always talk about how the Lakers, many of the Lakers moving down here to Newport, and Orange County was one of the best things that ever happened to Orange County because when we moved here in 1980, Huntington Beach, I mean, it was so incredibly oh. white, very yes. evangelical, very Republican, mm-hmm. and there was really nothing else. Yeah. And I remember my mom saying, because both my parents were New Yorkers, I remember my mom saying that too many of one kind of people in a place is never a good thing, that everything needs to be yeah. a little bit mixed up. But mm-hmm. one night I was in uh, Duke's on the Huntington Pier, and sure, I and one of the Lakers was there. I feel terrible. I don't remember now. I'm not a sports person, and people were just running up and fawning all over him. And I thought this is such a good thing because oh. that was a much different reaction than there would have been in 1980 if you had been sitting in a restaurant in Huntington Beach and anybody of any kind of color had come in. So um, right, I well, I wouldn't thing. even I know a Laker we can, at all. Yeah, but they I, did. I only knew because that I heard people cool. whispering Lakers. Yeah, and uh-huh. so that's, I think, any kind of diversification and the arts is a great way to start letting people see other people from other communities they don't know, right? I mean, whether you see people in movies sure. or you hear their music or it's a wonderful way to start people that don't naturally diversify their lives begin to diversify their life. And I think that's such an important thing. And it's great that you did that. That's a fantastic story. 
And especially because who would listen to a guy if you were walking into the restaurant and this 31-year-old guy walks by a black guy, you wouldn't even give him the time of day. And now you're listening to him for 45 minutes while you're sitting in your chair. And, you know, yeah. and I picked great guys and, uh, and you know, clean comics, clever comics. And, um, and it was it was just a beautiful thing to see, and it made me happy. <laughs> That's so wonderful. Why, why this area of the world, and why? How did you come here, and why have you stayed here? Why this part of uh, of the world? Um, well, I I was here as a teenager, and then I got married, and moved away, and I lived in Silver Lake which is Hollywood, East Hollywood, as you know. And then I went Uh to college in, I went to college at the University of the Americas, which is South of Mexico City. I got, I had gone, yeah, so I got two years of college at Long Beach City. Then I did the last two years in Mexico. And then I came back up here. And um, anyway, went, anyway, it just ended up, I ended up here. I ended up back here yeah. when I had kids. Oh, I lived in Redondo Beach. I lived in Redondo Beach for like 10 years. Okay. I lived in San Diego two years, you know, just around. But still Southern California. So what what is it about the energy of this area that kind of keeps you coming back for more? Well, when I was in San Diego, people were really athletic. And when you met somebody, they'd say, Oh, what game do you play? And they always were about sports. And I was not athletic enough to really fit in with with that. Then when I lived in Hollywood, I was I was a little too beachy for Hollywood because everybody wears black all the time. So I yes. I liked it, but I wasn't really you know I I wore pastels, so so I you know wasn't exactly fitting in there. But here at the beach area, you know. It's my jam. <laughs> I like the ocean. I kayak a lot. I don't go in the water very much because it's too cold, but I go in the water some amount. And um, I, I like Huntington Beach. I like, I like, I li- you know, I live, yeah, I like the area. I like the beach. Who doesn't like the beach? Uh, some people don't, oddly enough, but I, I love it. I, I left for just the reasons I told you about. I, I grew up on the East Coast and then we moved here when I was 13 and, uh, I felt like a fish out of water because I wasn't my politics and my interests and my creativity yes. and my spirituality didn't seem to sort of mix with what was happening here. So like, you know, no. a, a rebellious person in their early 20s, I fled to the city. And I, I still love it. I have my home in Sherman Oaks. I don't plan to get rid of it. And, and I love the San Fernando Valley. And I a lot of I have a lot of friends up there and I love them. Um, I kind of wound up accidentally down here my mom got sick and I was taking care of her and then she passed and um it's kind of a here's my five minute story so I have a friend in Los Angeles and when my mom got sick he said it's so weird because my cousin lives in Huntington Beach and my aunt is also sick and my cousin is taking care of her aunt and you're taking care of your mom and you live five minutes away you two should start talking so we did and then our moms passed about two months apart and oh my God. I started going over. I went over. I went over there for dinner one night, and she said, "Come back next week." And I never stopped going. 
and now she's my best friend. Her family is like my family. My best friend from high school, who's like my sister, she's still here. Her mom, she's in South Orange County, but her mom's still in Huntington Beach. So even though I loved L.A. so much, I started having this very strong, after my mom died, family pull down here. And I started thinking, That's well, I'm really probably nice. going to start living back and forth, probably mostly there and maybe here on the weekends. And then COVID hit, and I wound up down yeah. here because there were people I could see down here because everything in L.A. was so shut down. And I just sort of started realizing how much in love with that I was. So now the plan is to kind of switch that, be mostly here, and then there a couple of days a week. And I just kind of refell in love with it. And, um, you know, like I said to you today, we were texting, it, it changed and I changed. Orange County uh-huh. changed, I changed. And we kind of found uh-huh. a place we could meet each other in the middle. And I'm just loving uh-huh. being here. I love the... I love the way it smells. I mean, if somebody should bottle the smell yes. of Huntington Beach, and they could sell it for a fortune. Right, right. And when we travel and we come back, we just inhale because it's not um, humid. It's just the right amount of humidity that you can breathe so easily at yes. this sea level. Now, Sheena, yes. a new topic is um, I'm married to Paul Williams, the Oscar, Grammy, right. and Golden Globe winning Hall of Fame songwriter. And you said you wanted to talk to him, and he just came in. He's downstairs. I could go fetch him sure. for you. Do you know what you want to talk yeah. to him all about? Talk you to know? you both at the same time. We'll talk about storytelling. How does that sound? <laughs> okay. I'll go get Paul, but just so we don't run out of um, time, the venue is this next Monday, July 11th, 7 o'clock. It's right on Alamitos Bay on the ocean because we're talking about the beautiful Alameda State. Yeah, beautiful view. It's a yes. restaurant called Mulaney's Grill. Right. And it's, you it's know, Irish you're pub. sitting at a table. It, you know, on the right side is the water, ocean water. On the left side is people, and straight ahead is the storyteller. Or look down, and then you have drink or, co- or coconut shrimp or whatever you want to eat. Mulaney's Grill is at... 168 North Marina Drive, you wouldn't necessarily remember, but you can remember Mulaney's Grill or Long Beach Searches for the Greatest Storyteller and buy a ticket on uh, brown paper tickets. And and the tickets are $6. Come on. Or just at the door, $6. That's fantastic. You can't beat seven that. seven to nine. We run a tight show. That's Starts wonderful. Seven, ends at nine. And we've got and some I'm great storytellers so lined up. Me. Yes. Come and shake hands with Sheena. Yeah, it's a great place you to want come tell and a story? meet me. I love that story. What, uh, Sheena, no. would you Not, like to tell a story? Point, I, 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 no, at yeah. some point. I'm getting there. I know, we, I know we've talked about okay. this the last time you did the show, too, and <laughs> I do, but like you, I want to rehearse something and really make it work. So probably when you oh, get yeah. launched again in January, I'll be ready to go. Yeah. You can be the guest storyteller. Now, why don't you uh, regale your radio audience with something while I go get Paul, okay? (laughs) You tell them something else. Okay. Because I'm going to put the phone uh, down. I've been to many many storytelling nights, and I have nothing but the most admiration for storytellers. Uh, Radio is storytelling, right? So many things I've done is storytelling. When Paul comes here, he'll tell you that songwriting is also storytelling. Um, but there is just the actual art of doing a storytelling night is so different. And I have many friends who do it, and I completely admire them for doing it. But it's very different from what I do. And um, I want to make sure if I'm going to do it that 
I'm going to know what I'm doing and, uh, and be prepared to do it and, and not let anybody down who's doing it. Because I just believe you should, if you do something, you should be prepared to do it. I didn't do stand-up until I was in my mid-30s, and it was because I'd never done it before, and I didn't want to just get up on a stage and go, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing, if I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, now I know how to handle that um, because I've done it. So storytelling is kind of the the last thing in that regard that I haven't done, and I'm excited, and I really want to do it with Mariana when I do it because I love where she comes from, and I trust her, and I think she does an amazing thing, and I can't wait to hear what story she tells that night because that's exciting as well. Um, I had a friend that did one in Hollywood. Yeah. um, I was going to tell you that um, Long Beach Searches is the storytelling show on July 11th, but we're doing another show called um, (laughs) Love Gone Sideways featuring four storytellers, myself and three other, two guys and two girls, we're telling uh, stories on July 30th at the Aurora Theater in Long Beach. So that's another four people. Yeah, four pros. <laughs> you're going to tell Homeless Jesus story then. Exactly. The long version. <laughs> so right now, I'm inter- <laughs> right now I'm introducing you to my husband, Paul Williams, the hi, songwriter. Hi, Sheena. How are you? Hi, my friend. How are you? Uh, we, uh, we met once uh, where I used to work at LA Talk Radio. You weren't doing my show, but um, we took a picture together with a bunch of people, and I loved your energy. So I'm honored to have oh, you wonderful. here. And of course, you're one of the greatest well, songwriters of all time and one of my personal favorites. So what, what an honor. And I love your wife. Well, you know, now you get to find out the other the reason I'm always in such a positive and 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 uh, joyous mood because you get to know Marianne. <laughs> but I, you know, I I got to the fact that I can get out and talk about things that I love love about and and uh, yeah. So we we met at uh, at what station again? Uh, we LA took a picture. Radio. That's where I worked before. Yes, LA we did. Somebody, LA we were on somebody else's show, and they pulled me into it. And I stood next to you and told you you're one of my favorite songwriters, and you were very gracious and wonderful. And um, uh, I uh, just think that you're sweet. an enormous talent. And I understand that sometimes you'll tell a story at one of Mariana's shows, too. Once in a while, when somebody doesn't show up, I, you know, I get the, I get the opposite of the hook. I get the hook that pulls me on stage. <laughs> and, uh, and it's always fun. You know, the amazing thing about this, this passion for storytelling for Mariana's is I think it's a a two-way passion. I think she's passionate about telling great stories, but I love watching her watch somebody who has been, like, resistant and kind of afraid to get up on stage, and they wander out on stage, and they start to tell the story, and they get a bit of a positive reaction. And I watch her watch them kind of begin to, you know, kind of get it and and flow a little, and that's, that's her real passion, I think. Thank you. It is, it is fun because I sit on the side of the stage and I look at the audience as much as I do the storyteller because I like seeing their faces looking up and they're, you know, you know, looking at the audience. It's, it's great watching them, watching them. They're so attentive and it's, it's a nice thing. It's great. And, yeah. and thanks for the kind words about the songwriting. That's why I call that a heart payment. That's just the best thing is to meet somebody and find oh. out you wrote something that they sort of related to. It's very, very cool. 
Well, I, I just ate a cookie right before I came way... on stage, and it's dust oh, in my okay. throat, so I'm coughing. Storytelling and a cookie. I think there's something about the way <laughs> that you write um, that your 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 music is the way that you write. I mean, it's all heart. Like you you really put your soul into something, and it's like your your heart touches someone else's heart when they listen to your music. And I think that um, you know, I, I I love I love that observation, and I think it's true. I think that the people that have always, I mean, I, I'm from from my relationship with Jim Hansen to to uh, it's a wonderful life sure. being being my favorite movie. I think that uh, that in in my next life I, I want to be Clarence, <laughs> the, the, the the fumbling angel. I just I'm a pushover. I love I'm a I'm a sentimentalist, right. and and I. And I think that ultimately kindness is the most important you know, character uh, uh, effect that we can possibly have, or or character asset is to is to be good people, and you know, and, uh, and you are. That's why you respond to, to the kind of sloppy stuff I write, what I refer to as codependent anthems usually. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I think I mean working in the spiritual world, I would call it um, empathic anthems. Obviously, you're a great empath. Oh, I love that. And you sort of channel the emotion of the world when you write. And um, that can be hard in your actual life, right? Because to to feel everybody's feels can be very painful, and you need to learn how to deal with that. But the fact that you can pull sort of the essence of emotionality of humanity out of the ethers and then eloquently spit it out there into a song, uh, that's a magic thing, my friend. You're a magician. Thank you. You know, the fact is that my life reflects reflects such kindness. And, you know, and the, as far as the way I've been treated by the world, I just, March 15th, I celebrated 32 years sobriety. And when I got sober, it's as if it just kind of, I kind of walked away from everything and opened up my chest and said, and, and, and my consciousness to lead me where you need me, big amigo, lead me where you need me. And I have been led to not only yeah. the best relationship of my life, but a, but a place where I feel useful in, in almost everything I do, and happily that includes music these days and 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 film and the occasional acting job and all and and it's just at this point it's just it's it's all a gift. I mean, it sounds like a bumper sticker because in my life it is no. it's all a gift. No, but it's it's so true. I mean, I think that we, especially when we're young, right, we spend so much time sort of fighting the natural flow of things. And we get to a point, maybe for you, it was the time that you got sober, where you realize that it's it's really about sort of getting in the canoe and pulling in the panels and letting the river take you where you're supposed to go and and just sort of listening to divine guidance. And that's when all the good stuff comes, right? The good relationship and the good career highs and, most importantly, just the inner peace. And, you know, I, I think, Sheena, one of the things that, that, that I think is, is most most key to this is, is a comfort, in a sense, at the center of the herd. You know, whereas I had, you know, was so isolated based on what I felt was a difference when I found, you know, the, the common goals and the common, common opportunities, the common problem of, of alcoholism with the, with the rest of the recovering community, what, what I got. That was was a sense of belonging and a sense of family that I don't think I ever felt before to the to the extreme to the level where it just took me to the bottom of Maslow's needs safety I felt safe and then I could grow from there. Yeah, that's beautiful, and and also um, uh, 
you get the messages come in, right, from higher power or spirit or God or whatever you want to call your divine guidance. When you don't have you know, the alcohol I, or the drugs or the other things in the way, those messages come a lot clearer, right? You probably became a better songwriter sober. I became a much less involved songwriter. I began to work really seriously out of my unconscious where I would look at what I needed to do. Uh, look at the song that, that I was supposed to write, you know, for the, for, for example, the, the Muppet Christmas Carol, the first song that I wrote for, Brilliant. for, uh, uh, Scrooge. I, I looked at, I knew the, what, what I needed to write about. I knew the character I'd read, you know, read the original novel and I'd read the script, but the first song that I wrote is sober. I actually went out and sat down in the out of doors with a Lawrence Block novel, and I just basically, you know, turned it over. I said, I'm going to read this novel. When you, Big Amigo, when you have an idea for this song, let me know. And literally two pages into the into the book I was reading, I set it down, and I went, okay, he, we see Scrooge's feet walking along the road. But a bump, 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 he's walking. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. I went, oh, my God, that's not bad, you guys. It paints you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge. And the worst of the worst, the most hated and hurst is the one that we call It rolled out of me. I could, I could not write it down fast enough. And I think that, that the, the surrender, you know, and, and I watch Mariana yeah. write. I watch how Mariana writes. And it's interesting because she takes – I see her – Kind of discipline herself to a, a sort of su- succession of road blo- of, of, of road signs, and then just kind of slide through it, and it's and it's been a kind of surrender. So I think we share that as well. Yeah, right. And I was just going to ask you that. Well, first of all, really quick, let me say, my mom and I. My mom was the most important thing in the world to me, and we were Christmas Carol nuts. To this day, Christmas Carol is my favorite novel of all time. I think it is. The complexity and simplicity of it are untouched. And, of course, you know, who doesn't love Muppets? So we went in the theater and saw Muppets Christmas Carol, thinking it was <laughs> going to be kind of spoofy. And I remember both of us looking at each other afterwards and saying, that's one of the best adaptations of A Christmas Carol we had ever seen. And we had seen them all. And then the credits rolled, and my mom was like, oh, Paul Williams. Well, that un- explains it. Because the music is so brilliant. It's one of my all-time oh, favorite so things. Anybody who who knows me has to watch it every Christmas. I drag people through it, and everyone loves it. And um, how exciting that that was one of the first things that you did after you got sober. But isn't it interesting, the timing, because I'm the, the perfect time to write about somebody who is like has a broken life, and is having a spiritual yeah. awakening as somebody that's had a broken life and is having a spiritual awakening, which I was in the midst of it in my first year of sobriety when I was asked to write Scrooge's story, and it was perfect timing. And also, right. since you like Christmas stories, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is, was on Broadway this year, and it, that was one of the first uh, Muppet uh, okay. projects by Tim Henson, and it made its way to Broadway this year. And then it had to close down because of COVID, but it'll be there next year. We got a a brilliant review from the New York Times. And, of course, I have to tell everybody that. (laughs) No, please. That's wonderful. Um, I I mean, obviously, Paul, from just talking to you, Marianne, I would imagine you're the same way. I mean, does does sort of your spirituality, both of you, kind of drive what you do creatively? Yes, yes. That's another – I'm looking forward to talking to you on a separate – 
a phone call about that stuff. Yeah. This was this is about yeah. promotion and uh, longer searches for the greatest storyteller. <laughs> to which, uh, at which point, I would love to j- jump in and say say goodnight for right now because I'm going to run down and, and I have really serious artistic endeavors right now. I have to go talk to the gardener. So, Paula, it was an honor. Thanks for being here, my friend. It was great, great to uh, to talk to you, and and thanks for the kindness. You bet. I'll see you on Monday. Okay. So, Sheena, I guess we're going to see you on Monday, and I hope you if are. there's anything else I can do for you that, you know, sure. we have your how, name at the door. How can, how can people get tickets, sweetheart? If they just want to come, do they need to, can they buy them in advance? Do they just come to the door? How does it work? You can go to the door, or you can go on, um, let's see, so marianawilliams.net. Go to my website, Mariana, M-A-R-I-A-N-A, Williams.net, and it tells about the shows I'm involved in. I'm producing Long Beach Searches for the Greatest Storyteller, has the date, time, and price, $6 at the door. And also on um, also the show, Four Tales of, Two Tales of Love Gone Sideways, that's there too. Okay? Sounds so uh, you can learn you, about that there. Thank you, my friend, for being here. All right, thank you. You for, are wonderful. Um, I appreciate you. For the phone call. I appreciate thank you. For being you. Here and I'll see you Monday night. The wonderful Mary Williams, everybody, so great, and the wonderful Paul Williams. Wonderful to have this fantastic, happy couple on the show. If you missed those links, you can go to raisingthevibrationradio.com. Most importantly, my website, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. Find me on social media at Sheena Metal, and of course, my nonprofit. If you're interested, is Raising the Vibration. Dot org. Um, until I see you next time, every Tuesday at 5 o'clock Pacific time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always raise your vibration, and please remember that you are love and you are loved. I'm Sheena Metal. I'll see you next week, and I love you. And uh, have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time right here on LiveParanormal.com, iHeartRadio, and more. Take care of you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.